When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, feels great. I still got it. Ripping style, Holmes. Tommy Guerrero, that was for you, bud. That was the unlikely sound of San Francisco's head librarian skateboarding on Page Street. Everybody should go on Twitter where there will be videos of the city's head librarian doing skateboarding tricks in front of the library. Don't try this at home. <laughs> From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. I met Michael Lambert, our guest today for Total SF, at the just reopened Park Branch Library in the Haight. It's on Page, a slow street, making it the perfect spot to talk books inside and watch him skateboard outside. The former competitive skateboarder who's even bombed down the curves of Lombard Street took the job running the city's libraries in 2019. Then COVID hit and his librarians became food bank workers, contact tracers, and supervisors of safe sleeping sites for people who are unhoused. But now the libraries are opening again and all but one will be open within a couple of weeks. Lambert talked about the joy of seeing library patrons return. The staff at the main library even gave them a standing ovation in a video taken by my co-host Peter Hartlob that went viral. Peter is off this week, but he'll be back next week. And speaking of Peter and libraries, remember to sign up for our next Total SF Book Club event August 24th at the library's events page. We'll be chatting with Gary Camilla and Daniel Handler about the book The End of the Golden Gate, which is sure to be a great discussion. Daniel, if you're listening, remember that you promised on this very podcast to play When Doves Cry on the accordion during our event. I'm Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Michael Lambert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, the last time you were on our podcast, I looked it up and it was two years and four months ago. So um, things kind of changed since then. Indeed. I was just appointed by Mayor Breed to be the city librarian. Yeah. And then everything went to hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a year. So what was it like as a department head during one of the most brutal times in San Francisco history to navigate this when you were pretty new on the job? You know, it was the best of times and the worst of times. Um, it was the most heart-wrenching decision and activity in my career to have to shut down a library system as robust and as beloved and depended upon as the San Francisco Public Library. I would say on on the other side, um, it's been very gratifying to see the library workers step up and be on the front lines of the public health emergency response. Uh, I think there's also another silver lining in that the library deepened our partnerships with our city and county family. You know, other departments, the Recreation and Parks Department, Department of Children, Youth and Families, 
housing and supportive uh, or homelessness and supportive housing and on and on and on. I think um, we really came together as a city in this moment. Yeah. I read um, in a recent report that you were in that first meeting with um, Department of Children, Youth and Their Families and Parks and Rec when you realized like, oh my gosh, kids aren't going to be in school anytime soon and their parents need to work and we need to figure out a solution. And then the hubs were born within a few days. That's true. We closed on Friday the 13th. I'll never forget it. And we worked all weekend with our management team to help launch emergency child and youth care. And the library, we had some fits and starts. We ultimately did not sustain the ECYC, but we did lay the foundation for what was to come, which was the Community Hubs Initiative. Mm -hmm. And I think um, your librarians and other staff probably percentage-wise were the most likely to be disaster service workers and for the longest time of probably any city employees, right? Indeed. We still have 17 library staff that are on long-term extended deployments through the end of this calendar year. But overall, we've had 590 staff, two-thirds of our workforce who were activated and at the peak last summer, we had over 430 staff activated simultaneously. And I want to say at the time, that represented slightly over 50% of all the disaster service workers citywide. Wow. What are the 17 doing through the end of the year? They are doing a lot of different functions. One is supporting the safe sleeping village sites, uh, working for the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. And we have another staff member embedded at the Department of Public Health. We still have staff supporting the contact tracing uh, operations. So it, it really runs the gamut. Mm -hmm. And I know that you had um, so many working for the past year plus on learning for kids and at the food bank and contact tracers. And were you proud of that? Or were you like, I really want my librarians back? <laughs> I was extremely proud of them. And I actually spent three weeks myself working in the shelter in place hotels with 60 of my staff and the Tenderloin and other hotels. That was really the greatest and highest need for our workforce. Um, you know, we, we still maintain some library service throughout the pandemic. People largely relied on our digital collections, but the mayor, the Department of Public Health, the Department of Emergency Management, they really needed our staff to staff food banks, as you mentioned, vaccination sites, uh, testing sites. And our staff, they're really driven by public service at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so proud of them. Uh, I, I, I'm still proud of the ones that are out there on the front lines. But it, it's really gratifying to see them returning to their day jobs and serving the public again in our branch libraries. I know the public has been overjoyed being able to come back inside these spaces again. Mm -hmm. I heard from um, several members of the public who didn't understand why libraries were closed for so long and really wanted them back sooner. And we're looking at other cities, some of which did open sooner. Did you ever think that maybe you're keeping these closed for too long? I didn't because, you know, I, I really trust the leadership of Mayor Breed and Dr. Grant Colfax and Mary Ellen Carroll. And San Francisco, as you know, fared better than any other city in the country. Uh, and we continue to set the bar high with our high vaccination rate. Um, so I knew, I trusted in their leadership that our staff were needed on the front lines and answering the highest call in that moment. You know, people did not understand the difference between San Francisco and other municipalities. No other city really in the country relied on library workers during this pandemic to the extent that San Francisco did. Yeah. 
But the good news is that libraries are back. Hallelujah. We're sitting in one right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This park branch, our oldest branch, existing branch in the library system, it opened in 1909. And we reopened our doors and welcomed people back inside just yesterday. And it feels awesome. I saw a family upstairs uh, right before you arrived. She had a young child, and they were picking up their book bundles, their summer together book bundle, and their tote bags for summer stride. Yeah. So the public is really happy to be back. Definitely. We'll be right back after this short break. I know the main library was first to reopen in early May. Um, my normal co-host who's on vacation right now, Peter Hartlob, had a video that went viral on Twitter of um, patrons walking into the library and the staff giving them a standing ovation. And it was really touching. And that video just went wild on social media. Were you there that day? I was there. Yeah. I was standing with Peter. I was watching him filming. Uh, when I saw the video later that evening, it brought tears to my eyes. And I actually was watching the ABC Nightly News with David Muir when they flashed that video oh, wow. on the news that I evening. didn't know that it went that. It did. <laughs> <laughs> it That's was crazy. Awesome. What was it like to be in that moment, video aside, but just to see this reconnection of the librarians and the people who love libraries? It gave me chills. I was engaging with the people in line before they got to enter, and we had two lines. We had one line for people that needed to use the computers, and one line for people that just wanted to access the collections and pick up their holds. And I'll never forget the the woman that was in line for the computers. She was a senior citizen. She was an immigrant, and she relied on our computers to stay in touch with her family and she had not been able to connect with them for over a year. Wow. And the digital divide is very real, mm-hmm. and it, it still exists. And it was just so heartwarming to hear her story and know the impact on her life that library services provide. And I'm so glad that we're back to provide that service for her. Mm-hmm. That's really important, too. And I think also just a place for people to be during the day, especially if they're unhoused, um, has also been missing. Absolutely. You know, people experiencing homelessness, they are some of our most loyal, best customers. And, you know, they rely on us for a whole range of services and just basic facilities. So now are all the branches open or are there still more to come? What's the status? So technically, the Mission Branch Library is the only branch that's not open because it's undergoing a major $19.7 million uh, renovation. Um, But all of our libraries are technically open. We are transitioning the remaining nine branches to uh, in-person services over the next two weeks. So we have seven more libraries that will transition next week. And then Merced Branch and Golden Gate Valley are slated to open the week of August 16th. And that's just in time for school. Mm -hmm. So all of our libraries that are able to be open will be open for in-person service. Wow, that's great. How do you think that will feel once you've got them all open? Oh, man, it's such a huge relief and it's just delightful. I mean, this is what we do. This is our calling in life is to serve the public, get them connected with information, with books, with learning and enrichment materials, recreational materials. And and we're back. You know, our city invests in libraries arguably more than any other city in the country. We have one of the premier library systems in the country, and our residents deserve the best. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're going to be in a position to deliver that service again. 
And I know shortly before the pandemic started, you were able to open seven days a week and expand hours. Um, what's the situation with that? We are getting there. We're, we're going to restore our pre-COVID hours, if not by the end of the calendar year, certainly by early 2022. It really comes down to staffing. And during the pandemic, we accumulated quite a number of vacancies. We had a wave of retirements, and we currently have about 141 vacancies. Wow. If you add the 17 personnel that are deployed as disaster service workers, cumulatively, that represents about 15% of our workforce. Mm -hmm. And if you drill down even more, about 20% of our vacancies are from the branches, mm -hmm. or the branches have a 20% vacancy rate. So that's a lot of personnel that are missing. And you know, to have seven-day service, robust hours of operation, it really comes down to the people. And so we're getting staffed up now. Mm -hmm. Why do you have so many vacancies? Well, during the pandemic, we weren't recruiting. Uh -huh. uh, there were just higher priorities to focus on, and the city was facing a $1.7 billion budget deficit. So it was really prudent at the time to just sit tight. Mm -hmm. Did some people leave because they didn't want to be disaster service workers? I think... People made those decisions for a lot of different personal reasons. You know, I, it, it would be really hard for me to speculate. I, I know a lot of individuals had long storied careers here, 30, 40 years, and it was just time for them. Storied careers is very appropriate for a librarian. <laughs> um, are you concerned about the Delta variant? And is there any discussion that the libraries might have to pull back on? opening? Oh, man, I don't even want to think about pulling back on opening, but we are concerned about it. We are monitoring the situation, certainly relying on our peers at the Department of Public Health and Department of Emergency Management. I'm glad the mask mandate was reinstituted. Mm -hmm. That is a very important protective measure for our staff and our public. Um, you know, we have instituted other protective measures. You may have seen the sneeze guards, these glass uh, enclosures that we have on our service desk. And our friends and foundation of the San Francisco Public Library, they purchased that for every location, oh, wow. including the main library, every service desk. Uh, the friends also purchased us air purifiers mm -hmm. that we've been able to deploy around our facilities. Mm -hmm. So switching gears, I wanted to plug the T Total SF Book Club. Oh, I love and I, that. Yes. yes. <laughs> we've partnered with you guys and Green Apple Books to, um, to launch this new book club, celebrating local authors writing about the Bay Area. So we're super excited. We had a great um, introductory book with Alia Voltz and Home Baked. Yes. yes. Have you read that? I love that. That's yes. so good. It's a great story, and yes. I attend did the the live uh, session that oh, you had cool. that her mom popped into? I love that. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, and so our um, next our summer read is um, "End of the Golden Gate: Stories by Local Writers About How to Decide Whether to Stay in San Francisco or Leave," which a lot of people are are thinking about right now. And we're going to be talking to Gary Camilla and Daniel Handler, yes. aka Lemony Snicket, on That's right. August twenty fourth. Um, why do you think it's important to celebrate local authors and books as we emerge from the pandemic? Well, first of all, I just want to give you kudos for this partnership. You all are really redefining what 
a newspaper means and what a, uh, a newspaper is and, and how you engage with the community. So thank you for the partnership. Oh, we love it. I actually signed up last night for the upcoming session with uh, Handler and Gary Camilla. And um, I, I attended another event that you all put on that had Gary Camilla. I think he was talking about this book or maybe it was another book with Peter Hartlob. I can't remember what that oh, was. Oh, that was uh, also through the library with Paul Madonna and their Spirits of San Francisco that collaboration. That was a fantastic session. Yeah. Interviewing Gary Camille is one of the easiest jobs because <laughs> he just goes and he's like so eloquent right off the cuff. And you just sit there. Right? <laughs> and listen. <He's> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and, getting back to your original question, I think that is arguably one of the most important functions that we should be doing is supporting our local artists, celebrating our local culture and really heritage of San Francisco. And so I, I think it's wonderful that you are spearheading this platform to shine a light on all these wonderful authors. And do you have any suggestions for future book picks that have to do with San Francisco or the Bay Area? Ooh, I'll have to give that some thought. I just finished reading Authentic. It's the memoir of Van Doren, the guy that founded Vans. Oh. And so I think there's a California connection in there, and he does talk about San Francisco a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'll have to give that some more thought and get back to you on some titles. Okay, sounds good. Well, I know you did the lightning round the previous time you were on our podcast, but we have to do it again. Let's do it. <laughs> Where's your favorite place in San Francisco? Or I know you live in Palo Alto. You can expand it out to get a burrito. Well, in San Francisco, I often go to Street Taco. That's a go-to for lunch. Yeah, so that, that would be my choice for San Francisco. What's your order there? Uh, I get these uh, burrito bowls. They're extremely healthy. They got guacamole, grilled chicken. It's it's delicious. Nice. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? The Zodiac Killer movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. There's a librarian character from the San Francisco Public Library in there, Chloe Savigny. Or, uh -huh. Yeah. And that was filmed in the Chronicle part of it. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. The old crumbly chronicle. I told you before we started recording that we are remodeling. <laughs> so it won't look like the Zodiac movie anymore. But <laughs> Congratulations on the remodel. Yes. Um, wh where's your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Well, it used to be this nondescript bar across the street from the main, the Market Street Grill at the Hotel Whitcomb. But um, I recently went into Hayes Valley and there's a place called Amano, I think it's uh, an Italian place, but they had a really nice bar. They do some wonderful handcrafted drinks. Cool. I'll have to try that. What was the last book you read? Was it the Vans book or was it something else? You know, else? I just went on vacation. I went back to the Carolinas and I read Malcolm Gladwell's new book. I, he's one of my favorite writers and he wrote this book called The Bomber Mafia. And it's, it's really fascinating about um, some of the thought processes with air power and how that was incorporated in the military. Mm -hmm. But I love that guy. Cool. What was your first concert? Pearl Jam. So Ooh. this was like uh, <laughs> 1992, 1993. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was outdoors. And, you know, that was like the peak of the whole grunge Seattle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Did you wear the lumberjack shirt? Uh, probably. <laughs> Uh, this is a very important question related to the reopening of the libraries. When will Drag Queen Story Hour return? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I think with the Delta variant, it's it's complicated our considerations of bringing people back together and clustering up with one another and engaging in 
you know, that activity where there's movement and exertion, but Mm -hmm. I want to bring back programming as, as soon as possible. Maybe this fall we'll pilot some programming, maybe even do it outside. Um, yeah, I I think maybe I'll even dress up and drag sometime. (laughs) Well, you got a slow street right outside. (laughs) You can do it there. There you go. Um, you have to invite me when that is all set. (laughs) And relatedly, who is your favorite drag queen? Ooh, Honey Mahogany. Honey Mahogany, yes. You just got whispered by (laughs) Michelle Jeffers. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Honey Mahogany is an aide to Supervisor Matt Haney and a famous drag queen. And a library lover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is your favorite all-time book? Wow. That's hard. I'm a children's librarian originally. Um, One of my favorite children's books is by Shel Silverstein, The Missing Piece. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like one of my go-tos when I would do story times. And I think that story is really a a metaphor about so many different kinds of journeys in life. It's like this Pac-Man looking circle that is looking for his or her missing piece and trying on different pie-shaped pieces. And uh, you got to check it out. I I think as far as an adult book, um, I really enjoyed Unbroken by Laura Hillebrand. It's just a really inspirational story. Did you read more during the lockdown or was it all Netflix all the time? <laughs> uh, I am, um, I'll admit, I don't even have a Netflix membership. <laughs> so I definitely read a lot of books over the pandemic. Um, and I know that you were a competitive skateboarder. What is the coolest thing you can do on a skateboard? These days, probably stand up right and just roll. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was pretty good back in the day. I visited San Francisco in between my eighth and ninth grade year. I, I grew up in the Carolinas and I came out here that summer just to skateboard. And I recall skateboarding at the Embarcadero, mm-hmm. um, skateboarding down the hills. And, you know, I was just really inspired by California and reading about California and the skateboarding magazines and just really had this West Coast sensibility even at a young age. And one of the most famous skateboarders of all time hails from San Francisco, Tommy Guerrero, mm. who is uh, an original member of the Bones Brigade, the Powell and Peralta crew. And now he's a famous musician. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, you also told me last time that you actually skateboarded down the curvy part of Lombard Street. I did. Which freaked me out <laughs> as a mother of two boys. <laughs> I know. I can't believe my mom let me come out here just to skateboard. I, I was with an older friend. He was like 16. That was my uh, escort. <laughs> well, if you ever skateboard down Twin Peaks, Ooh, you got to let me know. <laughs> wow. I'll have to put on like a full body padded suit for that. Well, I think you're going to go um, out on Page Street with your skateboard momentarily. Yeah. But last question. Um, what is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Exercise. I just re-upped my membership for uh, 24-hour fitness. Um, so I think it's important as a leader, as a department head, to take good care of yourself yeah. and just have that outlet for exercise and dealing with stress. Great. Well, it was fun to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing your skateboarding skills. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. 
Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod.